Welcome to Listen to Lawrence, presented by Lawrence Eric Davidow, Senior and Managing Partner of Davidow, Davidow, Siegel & Stern, one of the first and most successful elder law, special needs, and estate planning firms on Long Island. This podcast series is based on his Listen to Lawrence seminars and will teach you how to plan in advance to protect your own assets and those that you leave to your children and grandchildren. Mr. David Dow is a past president of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, a published author, and an accomplished and educational speaker. So sit back and listen to Lawrence. Hello, everybody. My name is Lawrence David Dow, and this is another episode of our Listen to Lawrence podcast dedicated to answering your questions. And uh, today's question is, well, listen to this. Lawrence, I'm overwhelmed. I need help. Help me with taking care of my mom. I don't know where to begin. So we're going to answer that question today. And with us today is my partner, Michelle Jablonski, who heads up our Medicaid department. But it's so much more than Medicaid. It's really our long-term care uh, management department. Michelle, we know that when clients come to us, it's never only about how do I get on Medicaid um, how do I apply for it? How do I protect my assets? And that's not really where the conversation begins. Where does it usually begin, Michelle? I think the conversation begins with the client is what do you need to assist you to accomplish your goals that you are looking for as far as on a day-to-day basis, how do we make sure that your loved one is safe happy, and that they can be managed. Yeah, and it's not just about what's best for them. It's also best for the caregivers here. Absolutely. Caregivers are always part of this discussion because there is truth to caregiver burnout. And sometimes we see through the process, by the time the caregiver comes to our office, their health could in fact be worse than the person they're looking for help for help or yeah. assistance for. I'm always, always thinking about the caregivers as well. 100%. So the first thing we're talking about is in an ideal world, how can we get help for you? What help do you think you need that you are going to feel this issue is manageable? So we have to look at all the different uh, options we have, starting with what most people want, which is, Home, home care, care. You've and, got it. And the, the variations of, of, of home care and the different ways you can pay for home care. Right. And then it's care outside the home or in someone else's home or uh, assisted living facilities and nursing homes and all of those options. And, and navigating that is, is difficult. A hundred percent. We're really getting into the nitty gritty when we meet with clients. Um, how many hours of day of assistance are you looking for if you're looking for home care? How many people do you need to provide that assistance? Are there people in your life that are already helping your loved one provide that assistance and they may want to get paid for it? There are so many different facets of home care that it's quite complex, but many times we're getting into the client's functional abilities. What can or can't they do with respect to the activities of daily living? ADLs. ADLs. That's the fancy term. You've got it. Bathing, dressing, toileting, transferring, eating. 
That's what they're, we're looking what they can and can't do. Because if we have a client who only needs assistance with showering a couple of times a week, that may determine what avenue we utilize as far as how to pay for that. Yeah, I get a lot of questions uh, from the daughter who comes in with mom and says, you know, I'm really worried about my mom. She fell a couple of times, and, I, and I'll ask her, does she, can she dress herself? Can she bathe herself? Yeah, she can do all those things, but I'm worried about her. Um, can't we get somebody to come into the house, met, get Medicaid to pay for it? What will happen if, when they ask that question? So, again, it's an analysis and how we want Medicaid to pay for it. And we're looking at it from a financial piece. But again, I'm also looking at it from a practical piece. If that client is saying to me or their loved one is saying, well, they don't need much assistance now, but based on their diagnosis and the prognosis, I feel it's not coming You know, it's six months, we're a year out, and I know down the road, and I want to be prepared. Then we're talking sometimes about other options, and some of those for clients who want to have some socialization, still need some um, oversight, but still have a lot of function. Sometimes daycare programs are an excellent option, and a lot of our clients don't even know that that exists. And some love that. They love the socializations and other people say, I'm not social. I don't even like people. I am staying in my house. So you get the the full spectrum of, of Both society. ends of the spectrum. And the nice thing is sometimes clients are surprised. They have a parent that really hasn't been social prior to the onset of whatever medical issue they're having. And uh, they go to a daycare program on a trial basis and they love it. So sometimes there's surprises too. We never know. The other issue we're talking about with clients is sometimes they'll say, well, I don't think home care is going to do it because I think there needs to be someone on site 24-7. But I don't think my mom, dad, loved one needs so much help where I can afford to pay for 24-hour care, or even if I applied for medical assistance through Medicaid, I would be approved for 24-hour care. For those clients, we're having the discussion of assisted living facilities and the options related to that. And Medicaid pays some costs of some very few, very few of them, uh, assisted living facilities. But it's it's an option to talk about. There is. Most of them, obviously, it's private pay. Most assisted livings that you're thinking of or that people that are popping up all over Suffolk County are private pay. Over 95%. I would say probably. How are the, there is a subset of assisted livings that have what's known as ALP beds, assisted living program beds. And how that works is you can privately pay for those beds. That's always an option. And they tend to be less expensive than the assisted livings that look like beautiful hotels. <laughs> um But they're still functional, and there are a lot of them that are absolutely beautiful and new. But the thing with that is if you can't afford to privately pay for it, even though they tend to be more affordable, there is a way to get Medicaid to pay a substantial piece of that care. Not 100%. Not 100%. They really bifurcate the bill into two separate entities. One is the room and board. The other is the medical piece. And the medical piece is paid for by Medicaid 
after you're approved for Medicaid and once you're assessed, the room and board piece, the client pays for. Most of the ALP program beds, the annual, the monthly room and board piece is about $1,600, which is affordable for many of our clients. Now, that usually doesn't mean you're getting in your own room. You're usually sharing a room with someone and a bathroom with someone. With one or more. With one or more. I know that there's one that's four beds in a room. There could be. There could be a quad. Um, It's kind of like going back to college a little bit and dorm living. But a lot of clients like that, and especially clients who have a fear of being alone. Sometimes that's a wonderful option because there's always someone else in the room with them. And they get some comfort from that. So that's an option available as well. Um, The other issue that we're always asked is, I don't know if I'm ready for a nursing home. I don't know if my loved one is ready for a nursing home. That is always a tough, tough decision. Nobody wants to put their loved one in a nursing home. No one wants to. In fact, everybody says, I'll never go to a nursing home. And of course, nursing homes are filled with people who said they would never go. Yes, a hundred percent. So the first thing clients say, and this happens very commonly in spousal situations, is the spouse will say, my husband or my wife is never going into a nursing home. And I respect that. And then we'll see that client back sometimes six months later, a year later, five years later. And they say, I don't know if this is the right thing. And my response is, you know when you know. Right. Of course, it depends on... on on whether the person has advanced dementia. 100%. Uh, if they don't realize where they are, but if they're looking their spouse in the eye and say, don't you do it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's extremely difficult. I, can't, I, I quite honestly can't imagine it because I haven't been in that situation. It must be incredibly difficult. But the real question then is, okay, I've determined now it's appropriate for a facility-type setting. How am I getting into a facility, right? And... The first thing any facility wants to see is something called a PRI. That stands for Patient Review Instrument. And who prepares that? A nurse. Mm -hmm. If you are in a hospital and you need to go to rehab, which is really, in most cases, just a special unit in a long-term nursing home care facility. Um, so if you're in a hospital, the, the they'll nurses, do it. They'll do it. And they'll if you're do the going PRI. from home, we can help you arrange. We help get, you arrange, yeah. get a nurse to come to the house to do the assessment. And then the second piece is that PRI, either by a social worker at a hospital, or if that social worker isn't really advocating for that patient, the client will have the social worker send us the PRI, and we are faxing or sending that PRI to different facilities where the loved one says they'd like to see that patient placed, right? So the PRI gets sent. Um, Then the facility makes the determination on whether or not that individual is medically appropriate for their facility, right? And some clients say, well, what the heck is that about? That's about if I have a if I need a ventilator, I have to be able to go to a facility that has a vent unit. If I have a client that if I've amb- if I'm de- have dementia and I'm walking, I need not every nursing home is appropriate for every client. Correct. So we have to match up the client with the right nursing home, give our clients options of which ones might work, and we usually just send them over there, go visit the place and come back to us and tell us what you like and you don't like, we'll advocate 
to try to get you in. Obviously, no, no, no promises. Although I find that when we're involved, we have a better shot of getting somebody in because they know we'll be a part of that whole Medicaid application process and they'll know the person's going to get, they're going to get paid. Absolutely. That comes that into the it, second piece of it. Difference. Because even though the nursing home doesn't come out right and say it, after they approve the client medically, the second piece is, well, how are you intending to pay? Right? right? So that's where we come in. We can, you can't apply if you're going to pay for that facility with Medicaid or try to get Medicaid to pay for that facility. Many facilities will ask us for a disclosure letter where we're writing a letter that says we represent the client, the client's going to be eligible for Medicaid on this date. And trust us. Trust us. And we've been around for right. 40 years. I started the first elder law firm here in Suffolk County. Uh, they trust us. They know us. They do. Yeah, makes a difference. Because you can't apply for Medicaid nursing home coverage until you are actually in the nursing in the facility. facility. So when you first get there, you, you're you poor. You're, you know you're eligible for Medicaid, but you haven't applied. It, it When you apply, it could take three months or so to get an answer. How is the nursing home going to get paid for that period of time when you don't have Medicaid yet? Right. That's why they're asking for the disclosure letter. Because ideally, once the client is approved for Medicaid, the nursing home gets re- paid retroactively back to the eligibility date. So they'll get into the nursing home based upon our letter saying, "Don't worry, we reviewed everything. You're going to get paid. Take her, take this per, take mom. Medicaid pending is the official word for that." Correct. Very cool. Correct. And then the third piece of that that process is bed availability, right? Because bed availability changes hourly. Daily, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. that piece also needs to be taken into effect. So a lot of times a facility will say to us, well, we, we don't have any available beds, but two days later they can have an available bed. So that's But also part of the if issue. we place somebody in nursing home A and they don't like it or they, it wasn't their first choice, they wanted to go to one where it's close to the kids, um, we could get them perhaps in the future, if a bed opens up at, the, at another facility, we can get them transferred to another facility. 100%. Yeah. A nursing home is not a jail. And as long as any discharge from any facility is safe, you can move from one to the other. And it's actually easier to do when you've already been Medicaid approved because the inco- the facility you're going into knows they have a guaranteed source of payment. Well, I hope you listeners understand that uh, when people come in, this is not to our office. It's not all about Medicaid planning. Um, it's not about just applying for Medicaid. Um, it we go into all of these social issues as to what's the appropriate place given all the circumstances, and we help you through that process. So, Michelle Jablonski, my partner, thank you very, very much for taking us through that. I hope everybody out there you learned something today. Um, If you have other questions, this is the forum to let us know. Uh, You can email us at info at davidowlaw.com. That's D-A-V-I-D-O-W-L-A-W dot com. Or you can go on our website and you'll figure a way around in there and there's a way to send us questions there. I'll answer these questions on future uh, podcasts or in my Listen to Lawrence letter, which twice a week comes out. Very popular. I want you to sign up for it today. Listen to Lawrence Letter on our website because I will answer your questions there with cute little answers that you're going to love and you're going to share it with all your friends. So I want to thank you for listening. I wish you peace, health, and happiness. And until next time, stay safe, my friends. Bye-bye. 
The Listen to Lawrence podcast is not meant to be advice particular to any one person or to serve as a do-it-yourself planning guide. It's simply to educate the audience. For more information, please visit davidowlaw.com.